Praise the Lord. Good morning. Thank you so much, my sister and brother Joel, and all of us whom the Lord is using to minister to us in different ways. I do bless the name of the Lord for this day and for the privilege that he has given me to worship with us this morning. Hallelujah. As he has mentioned, I'm Reverend Walter Apunyo, and I serve here specifically under the Compassion Ministry. Hallelujah. Um, let's pray. Lord, there is nothing that is better in this life than being in your presence. Your servant King David rejoiced when he was told, Come, let us go into the house of the Lord. What a joy that, Lord, we are here, O oh God, gathered together in your presence as your children. We yield our hearts unto you this morning. We pray that as we continue to worship you, Lord, but also listen from you, you will have your way in us. Your glory will overshadow us, O oh God. Yes, Lord, we surrender unto you this morning and pray that you take your rightful place and reign in our lives, O oh God. And so as we share in your word, may you speak to us, O oh God. And may your word come to us with clarity that we shall be able to heed it, O oh God. For this we pray, believing and trusting in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Whenever I always look back, the days that I, I received Christ Jesus, when I find myself in the midst of young people like this, I feel so blessed. Hallelujah. It is such a great joy to serve the Lord, especially when you still have your full strength like we do today. But otherwise, if we misuse the opportunity and maybe later on in life, we catch that fire, we shall feel like, oh, I wish I knew these things, Hale. And so I want to encourage us to continue with the fire, for we can never serve the Lord in vain. Uh, this morning, uh, we are sharing on a topic, the consequences of serving in the flesh. The consequences of serving in the flesh. Praise the Lord. And it is taken from the reading that we have just uh, read, First Samuel chapter, chapter 2, from verse 12. But as I share, friends, I will extend a little bit to up to verse 36. I pray that as we share together, the Lord will speak to us this morning. Consequences of serving in the flesh. And as I begin, friends, we shall be looking at uh, what does it mean, you know, when the word flesh is mentioned, what is the flesh? And as we look at what the flesh is, as the Bible tells us, we shall see how the flesh manifested in the lives of the sons of Eli, as it was read to us, and what were the consequences of them operating in that flesh. And what lessons do we draw 
for we who are serving God today. I want us to know that even if you are not yet working somewhere, but God has given us all responsibilities as his children, and he expects you and I to serve him in a particular way. Some of us are leaders here. Some of you could be elder children in your families and you lead your siblings. Some of us could be leaders at school. And so wherever God has blessed you, you are actually serving him through serving his people. So there is a role that you and I are meant to play. But then today we are cautioning ourselves that it is not good to serve in the flesh. Hallelujah. And so, what does the word flesh mean? Yes, the word flesh may refer to our physical bodies, but as it is used often in the scripture, it does not just mean a physical body, but it refers to a life that is separated from God. The rebellious human nature that is opposed to God's will. And so when they say that you are walking in the flesh, that means that actually the human nature is taking hold of your life. The sinful nature is taking control over your life. And so that is what it means to operate in the flesh, to be led by the sinful nature. And how does this come about, friends? It, it comes all along the way from the experience in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell short of God's glory. And so, every person who descended from Adam and Eve, they, they bear that sinful nature. God created us perfectly well without any sin. But when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, that sin defiled the entire human race. Let me just read to us Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3. What does it say? It says, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now, we all know that we have been created in the image of God. We are supposed to be in the likeness of God. But now the Bible says that the, the son that was born to Adam was in the likeness of Adam. And what does that mean? Remember at this point in time, Adam had already fallen short of God's glory. The divine nature that he had was already lost because of sin. And so this nature that was a result of sin everyone who has been born in blood and flesh carries. And so, when we talk about the flesh, we are talking about that life that has been separated from God by that original sin. You might be here and you're saying, I do not do all those other things that maybe bad people in quotes do. But child of God, if you have never acknowledged God as your personal Lord and Savior, then you have inherited that what? You are still living in that sin we inherited from Adam. But even when we become born again, there is that human nature that always conflicts the spirit of God in us. That is why 
when you read Paul's letters, he talks about how the spirit, you know, the flesh wars, fights against the spirit in our lives. So it is your responsibility and my responsibility to overcome the flesh. So, this rebellious, sinful nature of man does not always want to heed instructions and corrections. A person who is operating in the flesh feels like they know it all. They don't want to be told what to do because whatever they're doing pleases them. Actually, they seek to gratify, to fulfill their desires. Whatever their hearts please to do, it is what they do. And you don't have to say anything. Have you heard of people you try to maybe uh, correct and they tell you that? It is my life. It is my That means you have no control over my life. Whatever I do with my life, it is none of your business. And that is what the flesh does, friends. It always, you know, it is an authority of itself. It doesn't want to submit to any other authority. Authority. It doesn't want to, you know, to follow the rightful things, but rather the things that pleases its own self. Other people's opinion do not matter at all. And as it is, there are consequences for living in that kind of life. Praise God. I do not know as we are talking about this today, whether some of the things that uh, I am highlighting could be evident in your life. And you feel you are on top of the world, you know pride takes you up, you feel like you know it all, you don't want to be corrected, and that is a result of operating in the flesh. Sometimes we are born again, but you see, because we don't want to obey the Lord, the flesh takes over. You say you're born again, but the flesh is ruling your life. And so, we want to look at how the flesh manifested in the lives of the sons of Eli. We want to look at the corrupt lives of the sons of Eli. The, the text that was read to us, shows us that Eli's sons were a total opposite of their father. As I mentioned earlier, all of us are given responsibilities by the Lord, and he expects us to serve him diligently. But the sons of Eli, as, you know, a house that has been chosen to serve as priest, there was a, a, a rule and a regulation for how priests are supposed to operate. There were instructions that they were supposed to follow as they did their daily work. Their father Eli had served his time, but now it were his sons who inherited and were continuing, continuing to serve as priests. But they served in a manner that did not please the Lord. I want us to know this morning that, you know, we cannot inherit salvation. Your father may be a very good believer, a faithful servant of the Lord. Your mother can be serving the Lord faithfully, and maybe your grandparents. But the fact that they have served the Lord, or they are serving the Lord, does not mean even you, you are going to walk in that favor because of the faithfulness of your parents. That was seen in the lives of the sons of Eli. Eli served, 
but for them they served in the flesh. I want us to know that God does not have grandchildren. He has children. Hello? He has only children. You must be born of him and you'll be a child of God. Don't think you're going to inherit from your parents. So how did these uh, sons of Eli disobey the Lord? Now, the Bible tells us, friends, in, in verse 13, let me read from there, and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. In other words, as they sacrificed unto the Lord, God had stipulated the portions that the portion that was meant for him as God, the portion that was meant for the priest, and the portion that was meant for the person who was offering the sacrifice. So when the sacrifice is being done, there is a part that is meant for the Lord. There is a part that is meant for the priest. There is a part that is meant for the person sacrificing. But what these sons of Eli would do, whenever somebody brings an animal to be sacrificed, before actually the portion that is meant for God would be given unto God because the fat was meant for the Lord and it had first to be burned before any other person could take their portion. But the servants of the priest would just come and say the priest requires to take what he needs, not in a manner prescribed by the Lord. And so they had a, something like a hook. You know, they would just dip in, uh, in a pot, in, you know, whatever was containing the meat, and uh, they would draw as much as the hook would do what? Would bring up. Not uh, relating to the portion that they are supposed to take. Now, that was one way, friends. This priest, the sons of Eli, took whatever the hook brought out against the prescribed portions for them. This is selfishness, not so? <laughs> it is selfishness and greed. They did not want to follow what was supposed to be done, but they wanted to satisfy their fleshly desires. And sometimes greed and selfishness drives us to do some of these things. You don't think about others, but you only think about yourself. And that is why they did not bother who it was. They did not bother whether God's portion had been given him or not. But all that they wanted, they wanted to take what they felt was enough for them. And so that was one way, friends. Of course, the second thing is that they received you know, whatever they took before God's portion was given unto God. And, uh, and that means that they placed themselves before the Lord. Instead of God reserving his position as number one, these sons of Eli actually took the place of the Lord. And they were number one. They needed to be served before God was served. And this reminded me of the, the days that I was still at school in secondary. You know, we always collected food in a line. And some people are very impatient. They don't want to wait for their turn. They stand as though they are very, you know, disciplined. And they look around when the prefects are not seeing them. The teachers are not seeing. They do what? 
they march forward and they keep on extending like that until they reach the point where it is being served and some teachers were very funny when they, re- they when they see you they pick you and take you now to the very last what point and so the the sons of Eli were very impatient they could not wait for the process that God had prescribed but they felt they needed to get theirs before anybody else is there any way that we are taking God's place in our lives? We think of ourselves before thinking of God. Sometimes even when we raise our hands and we sing that we lift our holy hands, O oh Lord, to worship you. But is God really number one in your life? Before you think of satisfying your need, do you first give God his first place, a priority in your life? This is what the sons of Eli did not consider. The other thing also, friends, is that they applied force and violence, you know, on the people as they took what they wanted. You see, when you are not following the right means, sometimes you need to use now human ways to get what you want. Because a rightful means would mean that you have to patiently wait and follow, you know, all the procedures to get where you are supposed to be. And as you follow the rightful means, you don't hurt anybody. But because you want to jump the queue, you have to disorganize the rest so that you get what you want. And as such, they applied force on the people. Some people would say, please, first wait and we burn the fats for the Lord. They're like, okay. Who are you to stop me? Who do you think you are? I am the priest here. Do we sometimes, you know, tell those who are under us, remind them of who we are? Don't you know that I am your elder brother? Don't you know that I am your elder sister? Don't you know that I am your leader? Don't you know that I am your pastor? Friends, when you are a leader, you know, people just know that you are a leader, when you play your roles diligently, the respect is going to come naturally. You don't have to coerce people to, to respect you. Now for the sons of Eli, they forced people because they knew that they were not doing the right things. And because of their actions, people were discouraged from bringing sacrifice unto the Lord. You know, it became very hard for people. When you think of, you know, what you are going to go through in the hands of the priest as you take your sacrifice. By the way, they were more diligent. They knew what was supposed to be done, and for them they wanted to please the Lord. But now you bring your gifts unto the Lord, your offering, and the priests are doing just whatever their hearts please. Some people were di- discouraged. And they didn't want to come again and bring the sacrifice. Sometimes the way we handle people make them run away from God. Leaders who are here, how do we treat those who are under us? The Lord has entrusted them unto us. How do we handle them? What you do to them will cause them to be drawn much closer to God or will drive them further away from the Lord. Not just leaders, but you yourself, how is your lifestyle outside there? Does your life, you know, influence others to come to God? Or your life 
makes people to run away from the Lord. Then the other thing, of course, is that these people took the advantage of their father's age. Their father was already old. He could not discipline them. He could not do anything because of his old age. And so they did whatever their hearts pleased. And that is why in verse 22 it says, Now Eli was very old, and he had everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. But he could only speak. He could not enforce anything. And these people, because their father could not do anything to them, they felt that was an opportunity to do whatever their hearts pleased. How about you? And how about me today? You know, sometimes we also take advantage of people. It can be your parents. Because you feel you are more exposed than they are when they tell you things you don't want to heed. You don't want to respect them. Sometimes it can be a leader because simply you feel like he's not the right kind of leader that you wanted. You disobey them. You know, this kind of life is terrible, friends. We know that blessings come through these old people. God said that we should obey them, we should respect them, that our days may be prolonged here under the sun. But that was contrary to the sons of Eli. They could not listen. They did not only hand there. They went ahead and took advantage of the women who would come to the sanctuary to worship the Lord. They would sleep with them. They practiced sexual immorality. And this is not something new. Today even... Many servants of the Lord are taking advantage of the flock. It may not only be uh, in sexual immorality, but some people are being, uh, you know, manipulated and their wealth is being stolen by the servants of the Lord. I pray that you don't fall prey to them. Praise the Lord. And the only way you will not fall prey to them is when you know your God. You know the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord guides you. And... In all that these people did, they caused people to transgress against God because the stipulated way of sacrificing to the Lord, they did not follow. And everyone turned out to do what was the opposite of what they were required to do. Do you see how far the flesh can take us? It may start small, but then it continues to grow. It continues to take you further and further. That even when God speaks, who is God? Hello? Sometimes our consciences even die. That even when you do the worst thing, you don't feel any guilt at all. Child of God, when you operate in the flesh, sin can take you far. The flesh causes you to do things that are, un, you, know, you know, you cannot imagine. And when people look at it and say, what has happened to Walter? What has happened to so and so? For you, you don't feel anything. You don't feel anything at all. You don't feel remorse at all. So what was the consequences, friends? The first thing that happened in verse 26, 
Praise the Lord. Sorry, verse 25, it says, If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Now, because they were, you know, uh, they had given their lives to do much evil, the word of the Lord is saying that God desired to kill them and hardened their hearts in whatever they were doing. Now, this uh, reminds me of Romans 1.26. Let me just read Romans 1.26 briefly. It says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what it is against nature. Let me just go to 28. It says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And they are listed, those things that they practice. So it came to a point in time that God surrendered them to the sinful nature that they were practicing to the end that their lives would be destroyed. They were actually separated from, from God. And so the first consequence, friend, is that when we operate, when we serve in, in the flesh, we are separated from the Lord. It is too bad to be separated from, from God. When you begin to operate in your human wisdom, when you begin to operate in your human strength, friends, you are going to face it rough. It is better to walk with the Lord that God is the one to lead us, to guide us, to fight for us, and cause us to be what he desires us to be. But this separation, of course, in this life, it is spiritual, but at the end of it all, it is eternal. We know that the end of every man and woman here under the sun is supposed to be eternity with God. But when we operate in the flesh, we forget about eternity with the Lord. We are separated from God in this life, but also in the life to come. We shall not be there. Because the Bible says that God purposed to do what? To kill them. And so they could not heed anyone. So if you have been walking in the flesh, make sure that you realign your steps. Because as you continue to practice sin, it is going to reach a point in time that God will surrender you. And that sin is going to destroy your life. Hello. Praise the Lord. And then the other thing is that God removed his honor from them. You know, in verse 30 it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, God's honor was removed from them. Now let me tell you, when the honor of the Lord is removed from you, people no longer take you as you are supposed to be. When these people did all these evil things, the people they were supposed to lead started looking at them as, you know, when, when you're 
priest is indulging all these other things and you know that they are walking in wrong and they cannot, you know, the respect that you have for them goes away. Isn't it so? And this is exactly what happens. When you have been in a position where people were respecting you, the respect is going to go. People will start looking at you as anything. You speak, but nobody listens to you because there is no honor at all. But yet when you are to walk in the Lord and do the right thing, even if you are not up there in position, there is a respect that people accord you. So if you want to maintain the honor of the Lord in your life, cease to operate in the flesh. And God also withdrew his blessings from them. In, in verse 31 it says, Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your harm and the harm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Now come to think about this. The Lord decides to take away every blessing that the house of Eli was enjoying. And says that, I'm not only going to do that, but I'm going to reduce the age. None from your house is going to die an old man, but I will cut them off in their youthful stage. Isn't it so painful, friends? You live, but you don't live to the full life that God intended that you should live. Simply because of indulging in the flesh. God said, I'm going to cut off. Now when blessings from the Lord are removed away from you, you begin to struggle in life. Because of time, I may not go so much deep into this. But think of the blessings that you are receiving from the Lord at this particular time. You know, there are moments that we get stuck in life and you're wondering what to do. Maybe you've gotten to a point that even your parents are not able to provide what you need. You've gotten to a point that, you know, whatever you had thought was going to work out is not working. But because the favor of the Lord is with you, doors open before you and what you did not deserve, you get them. But now because you've decided to walk in your own ways, the Lord takes away every privilege and says that they are not going to grow old. They will, you know, and he does not only say that, he says that I'm going to cut them off, you know, from the lineage of the priest. And when you read through the scriptures, you realize that the house of Eli, during the days of King Solomon, one of the descendants who was still serving as a priest was called Abiatha. David removed him from, I mean Solomon removed him from service as a priest. So his house was wiped away from the lineage of, of priests, those who were serving as priests. It is so terrible, friends. I pray that we shall not forfeit the blessings that God has for his children because of our stubbornness. And of course the Lord pronounced death over them. God said they we are going to die in verse 34. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Ophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of, both of them. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. Now, this death was twofold. It was physical and eternal. And actually later on they died. And even their father Eli also died when he got the news. And so that is what happens when we operate in the flesh. Death pursues us, you know, and overtakes us. We die not only in this life, but even in the life to come. We die two, you know, two times 
the physical death and the spiritual death. When you are born once, you die twice. When you are born twice, you die once. And what do I mean? The physical birth, you know, by your parents cannot save you from, from this death we are talking about. You will die physically and you will die spiritually. But the spiritual birth, when you are born physically and again you are born of the spirit, you, yes, you may die physically, but spiritually you will be alive forever and evermore. Praise the Lord. So these people later on died and God raised another priest in their place. Um, and his lineage was actually reduced to beggars. In verse 36 it says, he says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. Now the people who had all the glory, they have become beggars. That is what happens. The Lord reduces you until you diminish until everything that was making sense to you is no more. And they became beggars, operating in the flesh. And so children of the Lord, what does this speak to us? What does this tell you? As we serve the Lord, how should we be doing it? We need to know that serving the Lord in flesh separates us from God. And when you are separated from the Lord, you are exposed to the enemy. The devil can do anything that he pleases at any time with your life. Would you want to be like a ball that the enemy kicks to and fro? If you do not want to be like that, then do not serve in the flesh. God's honor also is taken away from us and we become nothing in people's eyes. Do you want to be honored wherever you are as a child of God? Do not serve in the flesh. Um, Serving in the flesh also affects our relationship with others. The moment we begin to impose our authority on them, then there is trouble. Relationships are broken and people leave you alone. Friends, if you are left alone, life becomes so hard. Just imagine you wake up one day and all your friends have left you. Even if you have all the money in this life and people are not there, that money will make no sense in your life. It will not help you at all. It is good to be with people. Man is a social being. So mind how you relate with others. But if you operate in the flesh only minding about yourself, you will destroy your relationship with others. And when we serve in the flesh, we miss God's blessings. Death, both, you know, both physical and spiritual, happen to us. And also, we become beggars like the sons of Eli. Now what are we supposed to do? Romans 5.16, as I conclude, says something. Romans 5.16. This is what it says. 16. Hallelujah. Uh, sorry about that. Um, I meant Galatians. Galatians 5.16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the, allow the spirit of the Lord to take over your life and guide you, and you will run away from the life 
that leads us to death. Shall we pray? Father Almighty, we thank you that there is a way that you have given us that we should embrace and be free from the sinful desires of the flesh. Sometimes our hearts are too stubborn, Lord, but we pray that may you humble us and help us to embrace your truth, that your spirit may take preeminence in our lives. And as he takes preeminence, we shall walk in the path of righteousness, and the end will be eternal glory with you, Lord, in your glorious kingdom. Help us to reject every advance of the enemy against our lives that manifest in different fleshly desires, Lord, and live for you. This is our prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you.